will to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. So let us begin anew. Remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. Let both sides explore what problems unite us instead of belaboring those problems which divide us. Aaron, welcome to uh, the Basic Bitch Tavern. Yes. Um, I'm going to let you introduce our drink for tonight. Oh, thank you, Jake. Well, we went with the ever so classy, ever so expensive and highbrow uh, White Claw Hard Seltzers. So I, I don't keep these around the house, so I had to buy these today. And the only way to find them was in a 12 pack. So I <laughs> do hope I enjoy these, though. I went in and said, if I find that there is a pumpkin spice White Claw, that I'm totally buying pumpkin spice white claw and going full on basic bitch. Well, I would believe that a pumpkin spice white claw would come with its own set of Ugg boots. Ooh, yes, I think it should. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So do you want, did you bring down both the tangerine and the lemon? So I have my uh, variety pack had completely different flavors with absolutely zero overlap. Ooh, fun. So out of mine, I picked raspberry and natural lime. Ooh, well, I think I will start with tangerine. And I will do the natural lime. Ooh, that that smell uh, hit me right in the face. And all I have to say off an initial review without tasting this is they put tang in liquor. <laughs> And upon taste, they put tang in liquor. That That is what the tangerine is. They put Ooh. tang powder into a seltzer. Well, I got to say the natural lime is very natural and very limey. It is crafted using their unique brew pure process and only the finest flavors or tang to deliver a surge of pure <laughs> refreshment. Uh, it's no Bud Light lime, though. You know, it is very basic. Oh, it's so basic. Why are we being so basic, Jake? What's today's episode about? Uh, Escape from New York. (laughs) The 1981 movie. I think it's classified as a cult classic, even though it did. It had critical and uh, box office success, which did surprise me after watching this, which I have seen this movie before. No, this was the first time for me really yes yes it was interesting and I... and most likely the last time for really me. i love this movie <laughs> so were movies just like what is it about the 80s was it our standards were lower as a society or did we just like just think these things were so much better than they actually were uh well i think some of it was rogue directing in that like directors didn't actually like have the studio budgets they do today so Mm -hmm. a movie was more driven by story 
I mean, you go back and you watch any of these more sci-fi serious style movies from the late seventies, early eighties, they all film like this. They have a, a certain style to them. They have very rudimentary uh, graphics in them. Um, and there's those long, awkward moments of silence in them with no dialogue or action, really. Uh, so it, it's a movie type. My my favorite about all these movies from the time periods is, I mean, because, you know, now with this and, and Dread and I mean, even Idiocracy, the view of what like the future is going to look like. But the fact that like not like the dystopian or anything like that, just like the stupid shit that people do to like set dressing or vehicles. Oh, um, no. Whose car was it that has chandeliers on the front? The Duke of New York. I, I want my next car to have chandeliers on the front and a disco ball as a rear view mirror. You can't go more than five miles an hour. It's impractical. <laughs> it's so amazing. Well, okay. Before we start talking about this movie, I need to know for a future episode, have you ever seen the warriors? I have not. Oh God. I am leading you down a interesting <laughs> movie path. All right. So we already started talking about the movie and before we get into the politics, I got to say, I love every part of the set design of this movie, <laughs> like the costumes that people are wearing. There's one point where some dude just has a Coca-Cola sign as a shield. And he's, he's not even a main character. He's just kind of like walking off the wrestling ring because there's a wrestling match going on right. mm-hmm. in the middle of the movie. Uh, they've got, these very weird costumes throughout like cowboy hats randomly slapped on or really open V vests. <laughs> like nothing makes sense. Right. And we now know the supreme badass car is a station wagon with fake wood paneling <laughs> and metal grates soldered <laughs> to the window. It is the ultimate getaway car. I feel like like prop designers during this time were just like constantly like cocaine. caught off guard. Like cocaine. just like I don't even think cocaine. I think it's hey Bill, um you got those designs for the car? Oh yeah, yeah, you know, the future car for, you know, the movie that takes place in the dystopian future. Oh shit! That's a fu- it's a future. Um, they put chandeliers on as the headlights. <clears throat> well, how, see, how are we gonna make this car a siege car? Uh, put grates on the windows. The thing is, I'm gonna pop some tags. I only got twenty dollars in my pocket, <laughs> and I need to set design. We're hitting the thrift store. Thrift store sets. The 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 bull the bull moose tavern uh, podcast the movie. I mean, I normally wear a bandana, budget. but the bandana is partially to go with the awesome design of this movie. <laughs> yes. But, but every, uh, every actor and every person that works on the movie has to drink at least two white claws before coming to work. Yes. Ugh. I do. You know, one of the things that stuck out also was uh, smoking in this movie. 
because mm. it's not something you get very much anymore in movies. Right. So that really stood out to me, especially when like he gets there and she's like, fresh cigarettes. You must be newly here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a prison movie, though. It is a prison movie. Yes. So maybe we should start talking about the politics and let's let's set this up using the movie in 1988 the crime rate in the united states rises 400 percent. the once great city of new york becomes the one maximum security prison for the entire country a 50-foot contaminate or er, containment wall is erected along the new jersey shoreline across the harlem river and down along the brooklyn shoreline it completely surrounds Manhattan Island. All bridges and waterways are mined. The United States police force, like an army, is encamped around the island. There are no guards inside the prison. Only prisoners and the worlds they have made. The rules are simple. Once you go in, you don't come out. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, I like the, uh, the once great city of New York. Really? I mean, especially although I will say in back the time, in like the 70s. No, in the time you're talking about New York City, that is like right at the height of uh well, like I, maybe 81 didn't quite reach there yet, but like the crime rate wave in New York. Um what year was this movie made? 81, I believe. Can I just point out 1981? How how bleak must it have been in the minds of whoever wrote this? Because normally when you hear like a dystopian future movie, it's like made in the 80s, but it's set in like the 2000s. This was this this movie was made in 81, as you said, and the description you just read said 88. And the movie takes has, place in 97. And it takes place in 97. So this dude was like, yeah. In seven years, it's all going to go to shit. And then and then in 15 years, this is this is life like that's a steep off the cliff. Like wait, that's, wait you second. really have no hope in humanity. You don't know who made this movie? No, this movie was made by John Carpenter. Do you know any other John Carpenter movie? No. Halloween. They uh, live. Uh, uh, the original the thing i believe is carpenter because he brought back uh kurt russell i i thought it was him i'm not i was never big into the old school scary movies oh yeah like all the halloweens we're talking he did halloween ends which just came out oh god halloween kills halloween immortals he did a bunch of those so he has no hope for humanity Oh, yeah, he did the thing. He did the thing back in 82. He just, he just sees death and destruction everywhere he goes. Oh, yeah. The original assault on Precinct 13 in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Mm. Couple Whoa. of episodes of Masters of Horror, Ghost of Mars. John Carpenter has a catalog behind him. So, yeah. And he has a bleak view of what the future looks like in this movie he didn't even look that far into the future no he was like how far like someone like someone was like how this is a great story john how long until society collapses beyond recognition i don't know four years four years 
all right, make it seven. Like, that's not that long. <laughs> well, unless things were really that bad in New York City back then. It's interesting some of the things he gets right and wrong in it. Because, like, in his movie, Russia's still a threat. Mm -hmm. China's also a threat. He was kind of in the cutting edge of China being on the up and up. That's true. So, but, yeah, I can't believe you've ever never seen this movie or any of Carpenter's other stuff. I have not. I am sheltered. Well, Apparently. it's a it's a very political movie at the start of it. So we, we find out about New York. We find out New York's a prison uh, colony and we cut to Air Force One and Air Force One has been hijacked by a terrorist, mm-hmm. uh, which she must have been working within the administration for such a long time to be able to get on Air Force One and hijack Air Force One. Um But here is her speech as she takes the plane down. Tell this to the workers when they ask where their leader went. We, the soldiers of the National Liberation Front of America, in the name of the workers and all the oppressed in this imperialist country, have struck a fatal blow to the fascist police state. What a better revolutionary example than to let their president perish in the inhumane dungeon of his own imperialist prison. Uh, John only a, only a little political. Uh, only a little. He straight up like <laughs> created a communist evil for that uh, one scene that really never comes right. back because right. she crashes Air Force One. No one lives yeah. on that except the president who gets thrown in the egg. Oh, the escape pod. It's an egg. It's a giant egg that they drop out of a plane. Mm-hmm. Okay. This might be jumping ahead a little bit. Can I say one of the things that was jarring about ne- not having seen this movie before, having been, well, having still being and am a millennial um, and seeing the Twin Towers? Oh, yeah. Not only the seeing movie? them, they play a pivotal role to the entire movie. I know. It's so just in- like a oh <laughs> yeah it, I wasn't expecting it. I mean, just it one was of those things in, that you forget. What it was made in eighty one? They were like not that old at that point, right? <laughs> and excuse I, me, I hadn't so. experienced the first terrorist attack against the Twin Towers either. Right. The Twin Towers were built in seventy three, so they would have been approaching eight years old at this point and the first world trade center bombing was in 93 yeah so it was they were still what the new york skyline was so yeah but for someone who's never seen this movie yeah that would be jarring especially if he had made the movie take place after 2001 but luckily it takes place in 1997 Right. Luckily, he didn't have much hope for the future of humanity and uh, didn't quite make it there. I don't think anyone is a good person in this movie politically, though. Like, I would say he has he does not take a side in this movie and everyone is bad. Yeah, I would go with that. Everyone from the terrorist who takes down Air Force One to the president, to the Duke of New York to snake Pliskin to the general 
none of them are good people and they are all self-interested in their own way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it almost feels like the undertone of the movie is sort of like anarchy will prevail and you know that is everybody's future yeah i do so i think one of the places i break with the politics of this movie is i really think if you had set up a prison colony with a wall around it and absolutely no guards and it had been almost 10 years since this was set up its own political structure would have formed and it wouldn't be as chaotic as it is there is a political structure in this world of new york but it is a lot more chaotic than i think it would be i think it would have been more organized than it is yeah i mean it's sort of you know it sort of gets at human nature and i think maybe in the first couple years you would have you know this sort of anarchy chaos but that would really just be driven by um you know basically different groups of people fighting for control yeah you know i i think it's unrealistic to say that you know you you turn all of manhattan into a prison and you just leave prisoners to their own devices that they're just all going to be looking out for their self-interest when i mean that doesn't happen in normal prisons you know even in the most populated of prisons where you know they're you know where you can't have too strong of a structure because you know the prisoners basically outnumber the guards you know, you still have um you know basically pseudo governments that exist within that just from the sheer fact that you know you have gangs you have criminal organizations those are going to group up they're going to seek power they're going to strike deals because politics would form yeah you're going to be you're going to have certain people seeking control you're going to have certain people seeking peace and if everything's in chaos no one's in control well you know the other thing too that i found interesting is the cabbie as far as i can tell is not a lives within prison new york but was not sent there because he was a prisoner he mentions at one point that he had been driving this same cab in new york city for 30 years the prison colony had been established for 10 at the time of the movie that means when the prison colony was established, they either did not evacuate the city before making it a prison, or some people were like, I've always lived here. I'm going to stay here. That and just really interesting. stayed in New York as it turned into a prison. I mean, you would definitely have those people. You would definitely have those people who are like, why do I have to leave? This is my home. Oh, yeah. Uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania, where the entire town is on fire underneath it because a coal vein set on fire. There's still like four people living there that are like, nope, my father's father's father was born here. I will die on this land. I'll do you one better. George Washington University had uh, um, at one point bought a apartment building because as they went over the years, they expanded and bought you know, old hotels and apartment buildings and stuff and turn them into dorms. And there's a dorm that just had uh, an old person living in it because it used to be an apartment building. And when the university bought the building to turn it into um, dorm rooms, 
this one person refused to leave. So a dorm room for 20 year olds. And there's one one guy that has his own apartment in uh, in Brockport where they built the Lowe's. They bought this huge plot of land and built the Lowe's. And like there was a house on uh, the main road there that was super dilapidated. And I guess whoever bought the land went to the owner, offered them way more than the house was worth to buy that and incorporate it. And he's like, nope, not selling. So like you cannot see the lows from the main road because this dilapidated house sits there on this rather large plot of land. All there is is a road that then leads to the lows and the lows sign on that road. But you can't really tell there's a Lowe's on that road from the main road because of one angry old guy. Yeah. And they probably I mean, it's kind of kind of like the guy from up. Yeah. Wait till he passes. Then they'll buy the land and then they'll incorporate it because it was funny because like there was supposed to be a whole plaza going in there. But like it was supposed to get like a Chili's and everything. The whole point was, though, that you were going to be able to see the businesses from the main road. So businesses would want to go in there. Right. And that did not happen. And that's probably what happened with New York and, you know, certain people. So, so either they didn't evacuate or it was just like, we're putting up the wall and you have 24 hours. And if you don't get out, you're fucked. Or they allowed people to stay. Yeah. Well, that wall does not go up in 24 hours looking at it. No, that took some time. How many American citizens do you think they killed in putting up that wall that either got like jammed into the city because they must have started turning it into a prison colony before the wall was up? Like, I I don't think America evacuated New York City in this world. And I think it's a very interesting world because Snake Plissken, the character who's getting sent to prison because he was a war hero who robs the U.S. Federal Reserve, Reserve, um, was on missions in Moscow. So at some point there was an actual warm war with Russia, with Russia in this world. Right. Can I just say how how weird it is that his last name is like Pliskin? Is it Pliskin? Snake Pliskin. (laughs) Have you ever played the Metal Gear games? Metal Gear Solid or anything? Solid Snake is based off the character Snake Plissken. Really? And in Metal Gear Solid 2, when he goes undercover, he's not going by Solid Snake. He goes by Plissken in that game. So Okay, then. The other thing I want to know, and this is less political, why does everyone think he died? I don't think they ever address that. It just keeps getting brought up. Oh, I thought you died. Hey, you're Snake Plissken. I thought you were dead. That's a good point. But is that just a plot hole or is that? He is well known and everyone thinks he's dead. Well, then I got another question. Did he get set up? Do you think he actually committed a crime that got him sent there? Yes, I do. I think John Carpenter was very much setting up a disillusioned America at this point. And I think... This was a war hero who was hoorah, hoorah, America, who stopped being that way. And I think there was a, I read a secondary 
political side story to it that by the end he kind of comes back to being hoorah hoorah america even though he isn't because like there's a whole thing with him and the general call me snake call me snake call me snake and then at the end of the movie call me pliskin right. like there was something to read there in that like name change i feel like but like yeah. i'm not i'm not the weapon anymore i'm back to being the man yeah I, I think so but like it's funny because to make him the weapon they also had to suicide squad him and put bombs in his neck so that his right. head would explode if right. he didn't do the mission super legal i mean in this world <laughs> in this world I, I feel like there are no laws they are setting up a very dark world. I feel like Judge Dredd had more of a basis, basic legal system. Well, you got to remember, we're also someplace that currently does not have laws. It's a lawless, walled off whatever. True. But if I feel like that mentality has like eked out into the rest of the world. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think that's why Air Force One was uh, hijacked and the brain who also used to work with Pliskin and somehow ended up in the prison is now mining oil from the New York central library. Did you catch that? Yeah. Yeah. Like he even has the oil mining machine in the library Mm -hmm. and, and refinery as well. Yeah. And he's the reason cars are still working. Right. Wouldn't that like make him like King of New York? No, because he works for the Duke. Right, but... And in the political system they establish, the Duke is something. I think he's the head of the biggest gang in New York. Because they also mention there's other gangs, because there's that one girl that Pliskin runs into that tries to have sex with him to get her out of the city. That's like, no, I'm just in hiding because I stayed out too late and I'm in this person's territory. And I'm not part of that group, so I can't go outside right now. Mm, Good point. So there definitely is some sort of boundary set. I just think it's a lot more lawless than, I mean, he he kind of establishes it semi-medieval and that the only clothes left were in Broadway. So everyone's wearing over-the-top Broadway clothes through the entire thing. I like how that's the reason for the wardrobe. I mean, it kind it's the only thing that makes sense, really. I mean, I feel like there are parts of this movie that were set up and then someone was like, why the fuck is he wearing that? Um, all the clothing stores burned down. You can only get stuff from Broadway. Makes perfect sense, right? Right? Yeah. That's why he's wearing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Makes perfect sense. It's been 10 years and no one has made any new clothes. Nope. No one makes no. clothes. No, no, no. We got a guy mining oil in the library, <laughs> but I don't I don't know how a sewing machine works. So go over to the set dressing for cats and uh, pick out a leotard. Can we point out the other dark thing? At one point, they're going through the city and they're like, snakes, like, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's just the crazies. It's nearing the end of the month and they've run out of food. So they're on the hunt for food. So I think they're totally establishing cannibalism exists in New York City. And two, 
once a month, the government probably flies a plane over New York and drops a crate of food. And that's the food for the month. Right. There's definitely some type of ration of food. But because no guards really tend to enter the city other than to fly over and kill people trying to escape from the city. They must literally just fly a plane and drop a crate of food into the city. It's probably multiple airdrops. But yes, but that's probably how food's distributed, I would assume. It's the only logical conclusion other than like a caravan going through. But the walls all the way around the city. We saw even where the bridge meets the wall. They didn't put a gate there to get the president and snake over. They had to bring a jeep and belay up the wall and over the wall. It's true. And cut the barbed wire that they have running on the wall. Yeah. So the only way to get food in is to airdrop it. Only way. Is that or airdrop. you're eating three-eyed fish from the river. It is such a dark world that is established in this movie. And yeah. it's kind of just like scratched over like, oh, yeah, this happened. But I, right. y- you know. It'd be interesting to do more research into Carpenter's political thoughts if he's ever said anything. Um, because well, he clearly has no hope for the system that was at the time of succeeding. Yeah, he just definitely has a super like basic belief of politicians are trash, which I agree with him. And like the whole thing's just going to go to shit. I mean, because you're right, no one is truly, there's no truly good character in the entire movie. It's basically just an outlook of all people are garbage. Some are less garbage than other garbage, but it's still garbage. Yeah, like, I mean, but everyone's garbage. Right. Snake's garbage. The president is garbage. Like, first of all, okay, let's talk about this too. How does that president go back to ruling America after Because it is very obvious in his 24 hours being kidnapped within the first three before Snake even gets there, the Duke has done something to him to mentally break him. Because when he's chained up to the wall and the Mm -hmm. Duke shooting at him, that is a very broken man already. Like, so broken. And then when he escapes first he uses snake as bait to get the duke close enough so that he can unload rounds upon rounds into him laughing maniacally right and then 15 minutes later after a shave all composed gets up and gives a speech in which snake tricked him and he's not playing the right cassette tape and snake destroys the cassette tape that has the actual information about nuclear fusion or whatever right. was going to save the world and humanity. First, I love it's a cassette tape. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a cassette tape. But well, this I is think one item that can save humanity and Snake cares so little that he destroys it. This is also what makes me think he didn't go back to America because he's like, I'm going to destroy this tape. Right. Well, it's, you know, it's basically like screw, you know, screw you sticking it to you know the man and all that but to me i see the president as he's basically just an empty he's a shell you know it's the the classic you know yeah politician that you know 
isn't worth anything other than, you know, a phony smile and uh, a charismatic speaking voice. I feel like the briefcase and the tape was actually more important than the president. Right. He was like if Snake had system. come back with those and been like the president's dead, they would have been like, great, we'll swear on the vice president as president. We have the actual important thing for this conference that's going to change the world. And if we don't get to this conference within 22 hours, Russia and China leaves and excuse me, everything's over. Right. So like clearly the world leaders aren't going to have respect for this president. So don't know why it had to rest on him when really all you needed was the tape. Yeah. It also clearly the secret service didn't trust the president with the tape seeing as, you know, it was thrown into a briefcase and then padlocked to his arm and like, get in the fucking egg. <laughs> like that's the other thing. Like the fact so that like the more they just give him more fit. of a, uh, at least one secret service agent to protect the president. Right. Like we're going to drop you into New York city, which is a prison colony <laughs> without any protection. And you'll be fine. You're in the egg. You're in the egg. Well, um, in what was the movie where Harrison Ford was the president air force one. Is that yes. the name of the movie? I believe so. Isn't there an escape pod in that, that only fits the president. I don't know. Like, I feel like we've seen this trope before. Maybe this was the first one that did it. But Air Force One has an escape pod that only fits the president. And you're absolutely right. If there's an escape pod, you would want at least one extra seat for a Secret Service agent, seeing as the president seems like, yeah, it's great. You saved his life. But now he's out there in the middle of nowhere, vulnerable all by himself without any means of protecting himself. Because let's be honest, not every president is going to be like, Harrison Ford or I mean, you know. let, let's just look at the past two presidents <laughs> Joe Biden or Trump are on <laughs> Air Force One and it gets hijacked and they throw either of them into an egg and drop them into let's say Air Force One's flying over oh I'm, I'm trying to think of some place that it could be flying over um the jungles of Brazil like not anything like super crazy. There's no one out there trying to kill the president. They just have to get like, not only that, they're only 10 miles from Rio de Janeiro. They have to like walk Don't 10 miles. Just drop them in the middle of Nebraska. Like, yeah. Okay. Just... The middle of Nebraska. <laughs> Does Trump or Biden walk out of the cornfield? They fall into. If the I don't know. Drops... I don't even. With their advanced age and most likely osteoporosis, I don't know if they make if they make the landing. That's too rough. Like I believe Obama would have survived. He's young and spry. Bush, don't know about the most cigarettes. likely. Bush most likely, but he would have gotten a little confused wandering around. Clinton probably. Bush uh, Clint, senior. Clint. Let's just put it: this, Clinton wouldn't have actually made it into the escape pod because he's getting blown in the uh, <laughs> fake Oval Office in the plane. Bush senior would have survived Reagan second term would not have survived Reagan second term Reagan wouldn't have been getting in the pod it would have been Nancy getting in the pod first term probably would have (laughs) survived um Carter would have survived that man will survive us all at this point Ford probably wouldn't have survived Nixon definitely would have out of pure spite he would have survived (laughs) Nixon, most likely everybody else would have gotten into the pod and he would have flown the plane. I'll land this thing myself. Son of a bitch. Yeah. 
I see, I, I see, I see Ford them saying you need to get in the escape pod, and he goes, absolutely. And he just opens the door and walks out. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, oh well, uh, that's not the okay. Fuck. <laughs> I'm just thinking like angry Nixon walking around in a cornfield. I'm gonna survive this just to show them who I am. Son of a bitch. <laughs> But yeah, the last two presidents, God, no, you throw them in an escape pod in Air Force One, they're donezo without at least one Secret Service agent there. Neither. This is why we sort of need an age limit on presidents, because if you can't make it down a ramp or up a flight of stairs, I mean, I mean, look, the both, both the last two presidents are the same age as my dad. The wind blows too hard and he gets a giant bruise on his arm. Just like, what the hell? <laughs> Let's remember, one of the two thought you have limited energy, and that's why he likes traveling around in golf carts, because it does not expend his personal energy. I mean, he's not entirely wrong. And then (laughs) Python would have probably had the energy to get out of the cornfield, but he would have made it 12 feet in and been like, what? Where, Where am I going? What am I doing? He starts talking to an ear of corn, trying to convince it to vote for him for senator. I feel like with either the of the last corn two presidents looks back at him and goes, hey, so, you know, those campaign promises you committed to, how about the fact you haven't fulfilled any of them and you can't get the two Democrats that are apparently in your party to help you out? Like Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin, like basically are like, ha ha, we control the strings. <laughs> uh, and he's like, how's it like corn saying this to me? And he goes, I, I feel like with Air Force One going down with the last two presidents, the Secret Service is just like, uh, bang. All right. Who's next? They didn't make it. They didn't. They didn't quickly, make it. Call Kumala call, or Kamala. Call uh, God Pence. Tell them they're president. <laughs> uh, the pod on Air Force One. Just put a second seat in there. A mini we really, Air we Force really One inside of Air Force One. Well, oh, like um, there one of the Hess trucks a number of years ago had like a little airplane instead of a bigger airplane. The wings just sort of pop out. I'm that's what I pick. Okay, you're you're you got at least one kid old enough that like you've watched Paw Patrol Mm -hmm. now, right? Yep. Like they've got that special carrier that carries their trucks in it Mm -hmm. that like can pop out a truck when they need a specific. Rubble, you're on the case type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that type of thing. Actually, I got one better. Air Force One comes with its own set of Fast and Furious cars. Ooh, just drive them off. Falls off the ramp, and then like right before it touches on the ground, a parachute comes out, mm-hmm. and like Joe Biden puts on the sunglasses, and he's like, "Let's roll, Vin." And Vin Diesel is somehow next to him, like. Mr. President, how did I get here? Oh, I mean, that wouldn't be far off for the Fast and Furious franchise at this point, I feel like. That's true. That's that's going to be Fast and Furious 47. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let me open this lemon one. I'm going with raspberry. This is what happens when we do basic bitch podcast. Oh, this is not good. Oh, the raspberry is delicious. Lemon, lemon, no bueno. No, I was expecting like a lemonade, like a Mike's hard lemonade. Not that. It doesn't say lemonade. It just says lemon. Yeah, not good. Pucker your ass and get ready. 
Well, I, so I, I did take down one other line from the end of the movie because I thought this was the other line that kind of gave us some political view in it. Mm-hmm. And it's a conversation between Snake and the president after he saves him. Well, the president's getting a straight razor shave before going on to TV. Uh, Mr. President, I want to thank you back there for saving my life. Is there anything you want? Anything at all? Snake, just a moment of your time. President, of course. Yes, Snake, we did get you out, but a lot of people died in the process. Just wondering how you feel about it. President, well, I want to thank them. This nation appreciates their sacrifice. And I feel like this is kind of John Carpenter taking a dig at like right out of coming out. I mean, this was a couple years out of coming out of the wars, but like the Vietnam War, the Korean War, and like we threw a lot of bodies at it to save, you know, the whole uh, CCR. It ain't me. It ain't me. I ain't no senator's son. Right. You know. You're giving lip service to the flag, but you're throwing bodies at it that aren't your own. Right. No, absolutely. And I saw it as just the classic, you know, um, you know, empty politician sort of yeah. trope that, you know, just that classic like, you know, oh, absolutely. You know, we we owe them a debt of gratitude. Yeah. Nothing no. more. Just. We will remember them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I find funnier is like, it was only like six people that died saving the president. Right. At least that were on the president's side trying to save him. Right. There might have been more that were on the Duke's side. But really, it wasn't a lot of people. They weren't really that good. No. <laughs> I mean, everyone snake drafted in was like, Wait a second. You got the Duke and like his Goliath that you're fighting and you've got the brain, the girl in the low cut shirt, mm-hmm. the Need old man driving movie. the taxi. Yeah, that, that's your hero team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good men. And Good of women. course, the brain who betrays you like four times in the span of this movie. <laughs> I mean, the Duke doesn't have the greatest people either. He's got crazy joker guy right who the brain kills the hair design Ooh, that was uh something not a lot of hope carpenter had for the future in regards to anything nothing Mm -mm. also interesting to me i would have expected new york city to have some sort of extreme drug use and internal drugs created or either pharmacies would have been raided to create new drugs by that point. Hmm. And really, there isn't a lot of drug use in Carpenter. At le- like this, we don't really see them drinking. Like I would have expected that. I feel like There's he was trying no to set up real... a feudal society. You're right. There's no real substance abuse. There's just smoking. Yeah. But if you're setting up a feudal society, first of all, I would have expected the Duke would have probably had farmland set up in Central Park and they would have been well protected. Like it was a feudal society, but with chaos. And I just go back to the fact, I don't think that's what would have established itself after 10 years. I think by that point, there would have been some clear cut political lines and actually some relative peace. 
Now, does that peace mean democracy? No. No, I think after 10 years, you would have you would have a basic feudal society. Yeah, you would have fiefdoms, um, you know, basically different boroughs would be cut up. You know, Central by... Park would have been highly sought after as farmland. I, I wonder if those skyscrapers would have still be standing or if they would have torn them down to make room for other things. So it also all depends on how many how many people. Yeah, you know, because it doesn't seem like there's a colony. It seems, you know, the sorry, not only a prison colony, the only maximum security prison in the entire country. It seems relatively empty, right? And I don't. I mean, that was probably just getting extras to fill this (laughs) thing. But you can make. I mean, maybe it was just a problem with the '80s, but you can make something seem full. With not a lot of, you know, extras. Oh, yeah. And let's talk about the limited amount of destruction Air Force One did going down in New York City. Right. The city was not on fire at all. There was just a small little area that happened to just have like a park or something next to it or a wide open swath of road that Air Force One fell into. And Air Force One was the only thing on fire. Right. Very convenient. In a city that didn't really have a working fire department, that plane would have actually gone down, probably hit a building, and started a fire with New York City mm-hmm. that no one could have put out. Definitely taken down a building or two. Oh, oh yeah, the carnage should have been a lot more. Oh, yeah. It, it should have been horrible. And it was like, hey, there's a plane down. Eh, let's raid it. Let's see if it's got anything good. And it wasn't even that badly broken up. Right. Like Miracle on the Hudson level. And you tell me Air Force One had no parachutes for the Secret Service guys to jump out before the plane went down when the terrorist took it over? Well, they just had an egg for the president. Well, I mean, okay, I guess the last thing we need to talk about politically is what the Duke wanted to do with the president and how his it seemed like such a weird thing that he wanted to do, because originally when you hear the Duke's plan, especially with like the prison reform stuff going on now, it Mm -hmm. sounds like pretty common prison reform. They happen to capture a high class prisoner, the president, let's say Mm -hmm. a warden. They wanted to march on the prison, you know, walls with their prisoner, but to try to create some sort of reform. Honestly, in the world established and how bad of a prison New York City is not a bad idea. Mm hmm. But then they had to make the Duke a bad guy again. So now he's torturing the president and he actually wants snake dead so that he can have snakes head mounted to his chandelier car as a hood ornament as they drive up to. Because it's not gaudy enough. Yeah. And then the brain who's like a genius apparently can't read his own map well enough in that he runs into a bomb on the bridge. Right. But when they're driving over the bombs, it either does no damage or just explodes perfectly to tear the back and front of the car perfectly in half. Yep. Like the car was soldered and it just (laughs) cracked and killed the one old guy who we're supposed to care for by the very sad. Well, I mean, you know, they're very low budget mines. You know, they couldn't they could only afford a little bit of explosives. After the war in Russia, we had right. 
very minor. They, they were like actually a couple sparklers tied together um, that they can kill someone when we want them to, but they don't hurt cars. I'd just like really? to point out that if oil was discovered underneath the <laughs> Central Library in New York, it wouldn't be a prison. Um, the federal government would be in there faster, you know, than well, anything. Hold on. They do establish that the federal government, because they don't have any spies inside the prisoner reporting back to them, none at all. They're letting it absolutely free reign. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. spy network at all has no idea how they're keeping the cars running or some of the lights on. They're like, yeah, somehow some of the lights are on and they still have running cars. We, we know that. Right. And then like, and when you land on the world trade center, that still has power on it on an one single elevator, but that'll only get you to the 50th floor from there. You have to walk 50 floors right. down. So random. What plot device, plot device, plot device. And I mean, there's such a like scratching of the surface of something that could have been an amazing horror scene in there because John Carpenter being a horror writer, he did throw in a couple jump scares into Mm -hmm. uh, this movie and he did it very, I like John Carpenter's music too. So he, he did the score as well for the movie and he did very well sound to help with those jump scares, like that high pitch squeak when we would see a shadow Mm -hmm. in the background but you mentioned the creature like the humans living in the subway and you're telling me you have a completely dark subway with humans living in it and you don't have snake have to go down there for something because that's a horror scene just waiting to show itself that was too much that was too much yeah couldn't afford the extra they couldn't afford the extras for it this is actually a movie I would like to see remade in this day and age with maybe a little bit more thought put into the plot. That would be interesting. Like just a bit more, maybe like even give us a 10 episode HBO miniseries with a couple, like the first episode, episode and a half being the establishment of the New York prison colony then jumping to i got one yeah 10 part mini series that sets up it's all the events that led to new york being the prison colony we get snakes backstory yeah you don't realize what's going on until basically the final episode where it all like comes together and you're like (gasps) where they're just like you know basically you have like that scene like you know there's no other choice we have to wall off the city all right, it's what we got to do. And then you're like, oh my God. And then you have like Snake getting like dishonorably discharged and it's, you know, you hear his name for the first time and then you're like, oh my God, they're doing it. Kind of like, you know, how Planet of the Apes was. After credit scene is redoing that hijacking scene with the uh, terrorist hijacking the plane. No, after credit scene is the Duke putting chandeliers on the front of his car going, this is going to look dope. (laughs) <laughs> we find out exhibit is in the prison city yo duke i pimped your ride <laughs> we put subwoofers in the back and a screen with an xbox near the end of that show they were putting an xbox in it this is what's an xbox this is 1997 sorry 
We put subwoofers in the back and put an N64 in the council. We we put an Atari. We put Pong. You guys can play Pong. We built you a limo with a ping pong table in it. <laughs> Hot tub in the back. I don't know, man. This this movie was something, but it really is a director who has a hatred for politics, I feel like. Mm, and just no faith in humanity. No, not a single. I, I just have to keep going back. There is not a single good character in this right. movie. Right. Everyone is some shade of horrible right it's just who is less of a turd are any of them less of a turd i mean in the degrees of turd there is you know if everybody's graded on a scale someone's got to be slightly less of an asshole yeah i mean like actually I, i hated the character of the president i don't know if we were meant to hate the president but i did i feel like you're meant to i feel like you're supposed to just see him as a sleazy politician yeah I love to have that disgust, but that's because he's pop culture now and inspired right. so much. Um, I liked Lee Van Cleese's general character, but he's also just a horrible person. <laughs> I love that the doctor's like, tell him. He's like, tell me what? <laughs> it's like, just planted bombs in your head. Right. Like, what? Because that's totally legal as well. Yeah, yeah totally above you're being sent to prison but look if you can save the president we'll let you out in 22 hours if you don't do it i'm just gonna blow up your head you told me i had 24 well actually the conference he was headed to has to you know starts in 22 hours so we need him saved by that i don't know man this movie was something politically yeah this is a fun one i can't wait till we watch the warriors you you want to talk about like 80s movie culture that is 80s movies like this is the start of it this is 81 it's right as you know it's got it's got that westworld feel to it mm-hmm. I, just if you've ever started tried to watch the original westworld mm-hmm. like it's just i mean when i saw lee van cleese in it i was like hold on a second I forgot he was in this movie. It it's definitely uh, I don't know, man. I, there, there's apparently a second. I've never seen Escape from L.A., but there's a a sequel called Escape from L.A. I saw that. Pretty horrible. Yeah. Like this this movie's got some cult classic ability to it. I, I don't know how bad Escape from L.A. is. It's got to be pretty bad to receive the reception. Then yeah. Any thoughts on? Uh, this movie politically to round us out no i think we pretty well touched on everything yeah well uh listeners our road to the constitution series will continue next and we still have i think like four or five movies that we're gonna watch and review as well i mean Mm -hmm. i know we've got the warriors coming up mr smith goes to washington we'll do a schoolhouse rock political episode so we're gonna watch all those uh i'm just a bill uh those types of things so uh keep listening in and have a great day yeah to all of our listener all three of our listeners stay safe drink responsibly and we'll see you next time at the tavern
Fantastic.